0: Hello and welcome to the ITGP author of the month podcast. Today I'm interviewing author and ITGP founder and executive chairman Alan Calder. Alan, what piqued your interest in information security? It's quite a departure from what you studied at university.
1: Well, not really. I studied uh, philosophy and history at university, and those are the subjects which any person who, in the end, is going to run a business should study. They teach you the difference between uh, facts and falsehood, teach you to think through, logically, the issues and challenges that there are in addressing the needs of a market. And so I ended up running a business and got more and more interested in the kinds of things that boards should be doing to manage risk to the organization. And historically, uh, boards think that risk is the thing which uh, mostly they don't need to do in any structured way. Uh, and that led me to information security as a uh, enabler and positive advantage for a company I was running. And uh, so I simply got more and more involved in how information security can enable organizations to perform well and boards and managers to meet their statutory legal and uh, personal obligations to manage shareholders' funds properly.
0: Okay. And a large proportion of the ITGP books that you've written are pocket guides, which are designed to give an overview of the subjects related to information security. What role do you think these books play in an organization's implementation project?
1: Well, I started writing pocket guides because... Uh, What I'd written before that was big, fat, thick manuals which contained vast amounts of information, and I found inevitably that I couldn't remember what I'd written, Uh, and carrying a big, fat manual around was not terribly useful, whereas a pocket guide, you could put all of the key issues, like a list of controls and the uh, key points in implementing a control into a guide that you can put in your pocket. And of course, once you realize that, you realize that a pocket guide can become a repository for the small number of very important things that anybody implementing or managing or auditing a management system might need access to from time to time. And of course, that means that you can also use exactly the same format for uh, summary descriptions of what a management system might look like. And that means that you can use them to help organisations brief uh, in a consistent way staff throughout the organisation on a particular issue.
0: And given the number of books and toolkits that you publish with ITGP, you must constantly have one on the go. How do you decide which topic to tackle next?
1: Uh, I don't make any of those decisions. They're driven entirely by the publishing team's view as to what they think is going to be important in terms of what our customers are uh, looking for. So uh, it was fairly evident about two and a half years ago that GDPR was going to be a big challenge for organisations, which is why we published the GDPR Pocket Guide. Uh, some of the things that I'm working on at the moment, again, are driven simply by what the market thinks that it will need.
0: Okay. And as well as being a book author, you also introduced the concept of toolkits to the industry. What was your inspiration for this? Well,
1: the truth is it was my wife who came up with that idea. And she came up with the idea because she'd been running a uh, an organisation where they'd brought in a procurement specialist for uh, several months of highly expensive work, at the end of which she basically left them with a set of procurement templates. And she'd made the point that uh, a set of templates for £500,000 for most organisations would be massively more interesting than uh, hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of pounds worth of consultancy support. And that kind of made sense. I'd just published some books around ISO 27001, and we were selling BSI standards, and it made sense to put together a set of templates to help organizations implement ISO 27001. So we did. Uh, we sold the first toolkit in 2005, and it's remained a staple of the publishing business's toolkit uh, armory ever since.
0: Okay. Um, and you've written two pocket guides on the NIS regulations and one on the NIST directive, which are all due to publish uh, in October. Can you tell us a bit about them?
1: Okay, so the Network and Information Security Directive and the uh, two subjects, NIS and NIST, kind of sound as though they overlap, but um, the first is a British or European uh, regulation, the second is a standard issued by the uh, North American uh, Institute of Science and Technology. So NIST, the Network and Information Security Directive, is a set of requirements for utilities and other... Uh, are parts of the critical national infrastructure to put in place a combination of a cybersecurity plan, a business continuity plan, and incident response plan, staff training and awareness. Uh, and the same thing applies, but in slightly different formats, to what are called uh, digital service providers or, or internet platforms, like Amazon at the one end of the scale, uh, and much smaller shopping platforms, perhaps at the other. Uh, and it's quite a complex regulation. Uh, it's got a number of different requirements, a number of Different bodies involved in uh, determining how you have to comply with different aspects of it. So the pocket guide is a very handy way for anybody who's trying to get an introduction to the subject or get on top of it, or just to keep an eye on the key things that they need to be doing in implementing NIS. That's why the uh, NIS pocket guide, the uh, NIST. Pocket Guide, on the other hand, is uh, written specifically for our growing audience in uh, North America and uh, the smaller audience in the rest of the world that wants to comply with US standards. So uh, NIST is a science institute which publishes and makes available for free a number of uh, security frameworks. Uh, It does a much wider range of things, but specifically security frameworks are the ones we're interested in. Uh, They come complex. They're written by people with scientific and academic backgrounds. They're not instantly uh, comprehensible to those who have to implement them or have to work within them. So, we wrote the Pocket Guide to help organizations quickly get to grips with the key features of uh, a number of the special publications that uh, NIST deals with, uh, where selling them through our website in our U.S. subsidiary. Uh, And, of course, we're making them available to clients worldwide who, because they're supplying perhaps the American government or they have a large uh, customer in their upline chain who is looking for some form of U.S. recognisable compliance, those are the audience for those pocket guides, the NIST pocket guides.
0: You're also currently working on the forthcoming third edition of EU GDPR and Implementation and Compliance Guide. The regulations came into effect in May. How prepared do you think organisations really are?
1: The data suggests that some 25% of UK's organisations claim to be compliant. Our experience of all claims like that is that the truth is probably half of them. Uh, The same survey suggests that around about 29% of the UK's companies haven't yet started on their road to compliance. We think that number is almost certainly higher, and the bits in between the uh, 50 or 60 odd percent who claim that they're somewhere on the journey, uh, we suspect that for a very high number of those it means they've got a privacy policy that probably complies with GDPR on their website and that might be all. So, In the UK, we'd say the level of compliance is still very low. Uh, That's in spite of the very high uh, number of organisations who suddenly got interested in their mailing lists in the month or so prior to May the 25th. Uh, But the reality is that it's probably going to be between three and seven years before the majority of UK companies are compliant. Situation the EU is probably... 12 months or so behind the UK, uh, and that's because uh, the EU started off thinking that most of the 27 countries started off thinking that they were more in compliance with the uh, previous data protection directive than uh, Britain was of its version of it. So they thought they had less far to go and therefore thought they shouldn't really need to start. Uh, There are in reality uh, a significant number of organisations who are still way, way, way off the pace across
0: the EU. Thank you, Alan. And thank you for listening to the ITGP podcast. You can buy Alan's books, pocket guides and toolkits from the ITGP website at itgovernancepublishing.co.uk. Please check back regularly for new episodes of our podcast and sign up to our newsletter to stay up to date with the latest news from ITGP.
1: Take action. Go buy my books.